0: Welcome to the Deptford Cinema Podcast. The Podcast Cinema. Cinema, the right place
1: for film lovers. Welcome to another episode of the Deptford Cinema Podcast. My name's Sam. I'm a Deptford Cinema volunteer. I've been a volunteer for nearly six years. Nearly that long. We've been a member of Cinema for All, a national organisation that helps and supports community cinemas. I was able to sit down with Jack and Jay from the Cinema for All team in mid-June 2020 right in the heart of lockdown. Jack and Jay told me about Cinema for All, the history of the organization as well as discussing the history of community cinemas in general. We talked at length about the status of community cinemas in the COVID-19 pandemic and what Cinema for All are doing to help support those community cinemas. That's enough waffling and preamble for me so let's just get straight into it. interview. Hello, I thought maybe if you guys introduce yourselves first.
2: Sure. Um, so I'm Jack, I am head of programme and new business, Cinema for All, which means I look after all of the stuff we do (laughs) and making sure that it's the right stuff to support community cinemas um, and looking for new opportunities so that we can do new projects and reach out to new audiences and get new people set up um, which is just a really lovely job to have really and I've been at cinema for all for 12 years which is bonkers Um, (laughs) so way back when we were British Federation of Film Societies and been here throughout all that change of um, becoming a more modern organisation and changing our focus and uh, trying to get closer to achieving Cinema for All.
3: I am Jay and I'm the Office and Operations Manager at Cinema for All, which basically involves overseeing the sort of day to day running of things, making sure that everything's happening.
2: Yeah, and I should probably say we also um, look after the Cinema for All podcasts as well. So I'm one of the co hosts with Abby and Jay is the producer, producer Jay as we call it officially <laughs> on the podcast, <laughs> um and on that podcast we talk about a lot of things to do with film exhibition a lot of stuff for and by volunteers but also just looking at the bigger picture of cinema going in the UK and just trying to celebrate it really and make sure that people especially now when people are locked in their own homes just watching things on a small screen the importance of cinema really just trying to make people remember that and and keep their enthusiasm and energy up for it because um People are going to need that when we get back to public life.
1: Yeah, I, I like you guys kind of subtly showing off. Oh, we've got a producer, <laughs> <Where> it's, <laughs> it's just me sat here at my computer. Are you able to give like a really quick what is Cinema for All? Its history, and
2: yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. I mean, um, so Cinema for All is surprisingly a super long organization for an organization with quite a modern name. So we used to be called the British Federation of Film Societies, and we were set up very long time ago, to represent all volunteer-led cinemas. So that might be people who call themselves film societies, film clubs, community cinemas, social cinemas, pop-ups, anything that's primarily led by volunteers. We help you. So we help people get set up, we give them training, we get them equipment for a really low cost, we get them films, and just really make sure that that kind of cinema exhibition is represented um it's something that not a lot of people know about because obviously people know about big cinemas multiplexes independent cinemas but the volunteer led side of it is a little bit quieter unless you know about one near you you don't necessarily know that it's this huge culture that exists and it is a really big culture there's um nearly 1500 community cinemas or sort of volunteer led screens in the uk which is insane it's absolutely bonkers there's so so many people
3: it's a proper it's like a a secret little world isn't it sort of once once you're in you realize that they're absolutely everywhere
1: yeah it's crazy like having been to the conference meeting so many people that are doing the exact same thing as you are but maybe a couple of miles down the road or on the complete other side of the country
2: yeah it's bonkers and it's it's nice to see Groups might be really different in terms of uh, where they're from, what their backgrounds are, what sort of space they're operating in, whether they're in a city or in the countryside. But there's just so much that you guys have in common and there's so much that you learn from each other and share. It's like Jay says, it's a secret world, but it's a secret world of like the, the loveliest community. Just people really, really care about each other and really, really care about the people that they're screening films to. Best Little Secret World.
3: Yeah, I think that's a good point, Jack, about how friendly and lovely it is. There's not not really an ounce of um, competition within the secret world, is it? It's just everyone wants to help everyone to get as many films out to as many people as possible.
1: Yeah, it seems like as soon as there's as soon as someone has a good idea, they just want to share it with everyone else in that community of kind of cinemas to say, "Look, this really worked for us." Like, feel free to see if it works for you guys.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think that's something to be said for volunteers. Really, there's no um, people are less protective over things, and I think that's perhaps because power's being shared, and um, everybody just wants the best for their audiences, and it's not really about ego that's kind of removed from it that's what makes it special i think
1: so obviously jack you mentioned we're in lockdown Mm. uh 'cause it's twenty twenty and there's the pandemic. <laughs> what have you guys been doing to support community cinemas during lockdown? And have you have you noticed anything, kind of any trends of what the community cinemas that make up Cinema for All have been doing during this time? I imagine like us, most of them just haven't been able to do their usual stuff.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been an odd time. It's been a difficult time, but I think thinking back to the very beginning of all this, we advised our groups music cinemas to just close down a little bit earlier than the government recommended cinemas close down because we just recognise that keeping everybody safe is so important and I think again with, with everybody being volunteers and perhaps being able to put the finances aside a little bit more not as not completely but a little bit more than some of the uh, commercial venues putting people's safety first was the most important thing so we we advised everybody to close down a little bit earlier than the rest of the cinemas did and then we kind of responded to what community cinemas were doing in terms of how we helped you which is which is what we always try and do we see what you're doing and then and then we try and help you do it even more and share those ideas so people started immediately doing online film clubs um and what Parties. So, we got some information out there to try and help people straight away and just share information about how that can operate because there'll be some groups that we represent that are really tech savvy and know how to do that, and their audiences are really tax, tech savvy and online a lot of the time. But then we have some groups that have just never really done that before, so they needed a bit of support getting there and also to understand what content's out there that you can stream. Um, and then we were able to work with Mubi. Who I just love. I'm such a movie fangirl. Um <laughs> <laughs> they were really kind and they? they provided all Sin for All members, organizers, with a 90-day free trial, and then they extended that to audiences so you could share that with everybody in your audience and, and have watch parties. And then aside from that, we've just been helping people keep going really, give them lots of advice. We've been doing focus groups to try and understand where people are at in terms of reopening and uh, safety and just consulting with insurers and partners to see what we can do to make things easier and maybe cheaper and safer when people start to reopen again. So we're kind of at that stage now where we're trying to help people figure out what's going to happen next, when we might get our, our doors open and, and what's the best way of doing it. It's, it's a lot of stuff to navigate, but I think for us, the main, the main thing is not rushing and not not doing it too early and making sure that it's the right timing and, and everybody's comfortable and safe.
3: You touched on it there Jack but Sam just to talk a bit more about all the different things that community cinemas around the country are doing during lockdown because as you say Deptford like the rest of cinema exhibitors have had to stop their regular screenings and Jack mentioned people doing online film clubs and it's just, it's been really great to see how the different ways in which community cinema organisers are staying connected with their audiences so online film clubs are a big one. Some people are doing sort of DVD deliveries and drop-offs to more vulnerable or isolated members of the audience. Some are just sort of finding ways to connect with their audience that isn't even related to film, doing seed swaps or just sort of sharing
1: local community
3: offers and things like that. It's it's been really nice to to see how caring organisers have been
1: about their community yeah that sounds amazing so when we are at the conference and we're meeting other community cinemas it always feels like I don't know maybe from my point of view that balance between cinemas like ours where we've got a permanent venue and cinemas that kind of use other community spaces or roving it seems like the majority are the latter is that the case or is that just me not noticing? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I think that's that's definitely the case that most groups operate in a space a community hall, a village hall, a library, any any space really, sometimes empty shops or they'll pop up around the place. I think it's a growing number of organisations that have got their own venue and it's definitely something that we've seen a boom of in recent years so like you guys like newcastle community cinema that's something that they they started in a hired space and now they have their own space that they hire out to other community groups so so that's been a big change for them and organizations like lee film society they have just got a new space and they're raising funds to turn that into a cinema so they're doing sort of seat sponsors that sort of thing um getting donations from local businesses but it's i mean you'll know this that's a humongous challenge having your own venue having so many costs costs that don't stop when you're in lockdown whereas
1: yeah exactly that's yeah. why I asked really I wanted to know whether if you guys had noticed a difference in activity from the the venued community cinemas compared to the ones that don't have what is now a burden of a permanent venue
2: that's interesting I think I think some I think the Mm. I'm not sure if the the key factor is that there's a sort of a permanent venue involved, but I've definitely noticed some organisations that keep going and keep momentum up and keep trying to provide things and are constantly communicating with their audiences, whereas some groups have been able to just stop for the summer a little bit earlier. I think traditionally in film societies in a more traditional sense would stop screening films sort of may to september because people go on holiday and the weather's good and it's a pain in the ass to get people to come and sit inside <laughs> the cinema in, in august it's just really hard
1: potentially in a venue that's not air-conditioned and-
2: absolutely yeah so <laughs> some of those groups have just taken a break a couple of months earlier and they are unlikely to start screening again until perhaps january and i've definitely noticed that the groups that are under more pressure in terms of venue are looking at at least trying to do something a bit do something this year so it might be that they're doing a festival um so that it's just perhaps spread out a little bit more rather than committing to a whole season but yeah i think i think that is probably something that's happening people with more permanent venues are looking to start up a bit sooner because you've got got a lot of pressures on you
1: the really boring overhead stuff that you kind of having to worry about as well.
3: That's it. I I think also maybe, maybe one of the reasons is for the most part, groups who are lucky enough to have their own venue usually do a lot more screenings than or screen more regularly than, or more frequently than groups who maybe hire a venue on a per screening basis. So I know Deptford, you screen, pretty much every day, don't you? Yeah, generally, yeah. Whereas I think that sort of a lot of groups might screen just once a month or twice a month. So that, that's another difference that comes into it, I think.
0: If you have any questions or suggestions for future podcasts or would like to get involved as a volunteer, please email us at info at deptfordcinema.org.
1: Jack, you said the, the kind of idea of the traditional film society, mm-hmm. which is an idea that is quite old, like as old as cinema almost, I guess. Yeah. What... In terms of Cinema for All, what is that traditional film society set up and do you think it's changing or whether it's still there but just evolving?
2: Yeah, I think a traditional film society is um, an organisation that are probably historically primarily really, really interested in film and perhaps are approaching screenings from a film education point of view. So sharing films that are kind of off the beaten track and that you wouldn't be able to get hold of where you live normally. Um, And definitely when I started at Central 12 years ago, most of our members were like that and they were more placed in the countryside and they were more run by people that might be retired or a little bit older. And we still absolutely represent those types of organisations and lots and lots of our activity is geared up towards supporting them and they do an incredible job of bringing really interesting independent film world film to places that would normally not be able to access it because they don't have an independent cinema but probably about 10 years ago we did start to notice a shift where younger groups started to show films on a voluntary basis more often groups in cities and uh, groups that perhaps might have more of a permanent venue. So groups that look a bit more like Deptford Cinema started to pop up. And I think that happened for a couple of reasons. One of them was the very boring legal side of it changed um, and it became much easier to screen films on a commercial basis. So you didn't have to be sort of like a club, a closed club. And that that mainly happened in 2003 when the licensing act changed. That is such a boring fact. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's good to tie like an actual tangible thing to when the things started changing
2: yep and around about the same time obviously dvds became a big thing and it became much easier and quicker and more portable to screen films like it wasn't as physically heavy and you <laughs> and it was cheaper to be able to do it so you saw you begin to see people do it who perhaps have less money to do it people that can be more portable and use a variety of spaces so yeah it became cheaper it became legally more easy and it became just physically lighter um to move to move around and screen things from dvd and then eventually blu-ray as well
3: that's a good point that you mentioned about how format plays into it because i think sort of as jack was saying the quote-unquote traditional film societies come from a situation where in order to see a film you'd have to get hold of the physical 35 mil print of it you might live somewhere where there is a cinema but they're only showing the i'm sort of going back in into the first half of the 20th century i guess they might only be showing the very very popular films but if you were interested in more specialized film or world cinema or something like that you'd have to basically get together with a group of fellow enthusiasts and and do it yourself and put it on because that was the only way to to have access to those films it's not right now where you know obviously you can stream or even order a dvd or something like that
2: and i think that what came with that change not to say that the films the traditional film societies back in the day didn't care about community that's absolutely not true it was a huge part of what they were doing as well but i think that you see more often now groups feeling comfortable with using film to build community so Um, film is still a humongous part of it but the community side of it is really important to to loads and loads of our groups that are really focusing on outreach and reaching out to vulnerable people or isolated people because I think that we can see really plainly how a cinema space can build relationships and it can build friendships and it's not just about the power of film to change people's lives, because I I do really believe that film has the power to do that, the hearing of stories from people all over the world. But when you do that, and you bring people together, and you give them a social space, and an opportunity to discuss film, and develop conversations and a dialogue, then that does make an impact in the community, and I think that that's something that's really quite strong with most of our volunteer-led screens at the moment. And I think that's one of the reasons why we wanted to change our name and be Cinema for All to reflect that it's uh, it's about the film, but it's also about the audience, and those two can't they just can't be separated.
1: You're listening to the Depth for Cinema podcast. <laughs>
0: Deptford Cinema is a volunteer-run community cinema space located in south-east London. Due to the ongoing coronavirus crisis, our current cinema screenings and events have been suspended. We are however still active as a community, and have migrated online to continue our activities as best possible. We'd like to thank all our patrons, cinema visitors and fellow film lovers in Deptford and around the world for all your continued support during these challenging times. We will continue to serve the community and look forward to reopening the cinema in the near future.
1: There was that kind of point in time where it maybe made it easier for slightly different groups to start becoming community cinemas as well, but I guess that also made it a lot easier for those existing, the traditional film societies to do what they were doing already. It must have just completely opened up so much more for what they were already doing.
2: Yeah, I think they they have access to more films now as well and again that's another thing that just came with people having better internet access and uh, film distributors having websites where you can peruse what's available it's not just kind of choosing from a limited catalogue you've got so much at your fingertips and I think that's something that film societies have been able to to really benefit from uh, and I think that they screen much more frequently now as well because when they were screening on 35 mil or 16 mil it was expensive it was heavy so they will perhaps do one every month or every two months and now you see people doing it once a week twice a week sort of a Thursday screening then a Sunday afternoon as well when I started at Sun for All, I, we used to, people used to send their programs, their physical programs into us so that we could see what they're screening, it was sort of before everybody had a website. And it was only 12 years ago, but it, a lot of volunteer groups, it was too expensive for them to have a website at the time. Um, so they would send us these paper programs that would be sort of printed on colour just a like a photocopy really. And I remember being absolutely fascinated with Forest Row Film Society's programme because they screened exclusively on Sixteen Mil. And this was this was twelve years ago, so it's not that long ago. <laughs> but that's that's what they had that's the the equipment they had they'd not been able to afford an update to get anything that would be more portable or would give them more things to screen from but what i loved about it was that they had this limitation and that they only had a small bank of films that they could choose from and they could only sort of do it so often because it was expensive but the creativity in that program and what they were putting together to show people and build an audience and build a community through this sort of outdated uh, format it just blew my mind and it's sort of the moment where i was like oh this is this is the job for me this is what i want to do i i, I want to see this all the time and help these people um and obviously they updated their equipment not much longer after that <laughs> it was not it was not a long time afterwards um but they are an amazing organization that show loads of fantastic films um and really build a proper community spirit whilst also really being about film education and sharing of of amazing films.
1: That does seem to be something uh, like a very common thread with community cinemas is the creativity that comes with either uh, not having a certain amount of funding or not having access to a number of volunteers or or, um, technical equipment. The, The creativity of those groups getting around that always seems to be the most interesting thing whenever I've spoken to other groups about, oh, we did this. It's not necessarily because that was their intention. It's because, oh, we had this thing stopping us. So we thought of something creative to get around it.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of costs involved with screening films, as as you know. And yeah, community cinemas are constantly finding ways to be creative and get around that. One thing I really like seeing, and again, Jack will be able to talk more about this, but it's something that we've seen more of in the last, I don't know, five years or so maybe, is community cinemas and, and volunteer run cinemas doing immersive screenings or screenings with immersive elements. So basically, You know, anything from volunteers dressing up to decorating the venue, just making it as an immersive screening as 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 an immersive experience as possible. Sort of bringing the action on the screen into the auditorium, and the the ways that we see community cinemas sort of being so resourceful with what they've got to to really transform the experience of going to the cinema
2: is amazing. Yeah, I think community cinemas really led the way on that immersive trend. I think they were some of the first people to start doing it, and probably because it creates such a, a fear of missing out moment that if you if you didn't go to the cinema to see a film it's fine maybe I can catch it later or I can find out where to watch it online or I can borrow the DVD from somebody but if you missed out on an experience and you missed out on amazing food and amazing costumes and a beautifully decorated venue and maybe some speakers maybe a performance that's that's something that you kind of get a bit gutted about missing and it's kind of a marketing opportunity that people have seized upon there to make sure that the value and the experience of going to the cinema is is amplified. And it gets people off the sofa at the end of the day.
0: Who are you? My name is Annika and I'm a volunteer at the Cinema. Where are you? At home. What do you do? Interview with you at the moment. Favorite film? Let's say The Shining, as in a horror. How long have you been a volunteer? Uh, a year and a half now, I think. How did you get involved with the cinema? I saw an article that you guys had up on the timeout and I happened to read the particular issue and then I thought I'd come along and see what you're all about. What things have you enjoyed the most about being a volunteer? Uh, everything really, meeting really nice people, making friends, getting involved in everyday running of the cinema, being able to programme stirring new skills. What would you say to anybody thinking about volunteering? Definitely do come along, meet all of us, you'll find something fun to do and you'll get a great social life and you'll just have a really good experience.
1: So, like we said earlier, we're in lockdown. What do you guys think cinema and community cinema is going to look like <laughs> after lockdown, whenever, whenever <laughs> that may be?
2: Yeah, I mean, we've been we've been sort of running focus groups with people which have been just wonderful. It's just been really wonderful to see everybody's faces and talk to them about what's been happening in their lives because it's also quite a traumatic time for a lot of people. People might have been unwell. People might have lost people. So... You kind of have to set film aside for a second and just try and connect with people and remember that communities have really been affected by this and people have been isolated and and very lonely throughout this time. So we kind of start by putting film aside for a moment and then try and catch up with each other. But we're trying to understand when people might be ready, when audiences might be safe. The commercial screens are looking you know the big multiplexes that have the luxury of very large venues big entrance ways that are perhaps purpose built spaces are going to be able to get people in and out in more of a socially distanced way than certainly independent cinemas are going to be able to community cinemas it really depends because some people have quite fixed spaces still and have fixed seating and small spaces and that's going to represent a real challenge when it comes to socially distanced cinema. Other ones with more flexible spaces are going to be able to move their space more to adapt to sort of COVID-19 safety guidelines so they might be able to uh, move their seats a bit more they might be able to cluster households or bubbles together away from people depending on whether we're adhering to one meter or two meter away from each other. So from what we gather people are looking at opening at different times So some people are looking at September. I don't know anybody that's thinking of July, by the way. Nobody's (laughs) nobody's thinking of July. Um, Some groups are thinking about September, but for the most part, I think it's going to be the new year until anybody feels really like they're in a good space because... It's about keeping your audiences safe, but also your fellow volunteers, and making sure that you're not putting anybody at risk. There, the costs associated with reopening are going to be a big barrier for a lot of people. Um, you might have to buy protective equipment. Um, you might have to get external cleaners in, which is a really big cost factor. The costs of licences are going to change a bit because you're not going to be able to get as many bums on seats as you would be able to do because of socially distancing and those sorts of restrictions, but just everything else involved. It's 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 going to require a lot a lot of planning and doing things properly and I think we just want everybody to take their time and make sure that they're not rushing into things I know a lot of people are under a lot of pressure to get their venues running again and to get income in again but we kind of have a saying in the office (laughs) whenever anybody gets a little bit too stressed out it's just film at the end of the day. I know it's it's extremely important to people and extremely important to communities, but if we have to pause film for a little bit and then take our time to get it right, I think that's, that's the right thing to do. Um, I think lots of... Communities that like to attend community cinema screenings are especially vulnerable to COVID-19 as well. Older people, um, people who might be black or people of colour are more vulnerable to COVID-19 as well. So we and, and those people are more likely to come to a community cinema screening. So we, we just have to make sure that things are right before we rush into things.
3: That's it. I feel also um community cinemas are in a in a sort of nice position in that if you're a commercial operator, then maybe there is more of a pressure to get your doors open sooner and- you know, start making money again because you've got bills to pay. But for for volunteer run organizations, they can maybe they can basically put their expenses as well as their income on hold. So they can wait until it's safe to do so because at the end of the day, as as we've talked about, community cinema organizers really care about the well being of their audience and their community.
1: Yeah, I think it goes back to that creative thing again. So we're we're obviously our venue is very small, thirty nine seats. There's no way that we could run a, a screening that would be socially distant without that being a loss for the organisation mm-hmm. so we, we are having to look at other things we can do before we open the venue up and there's even the question of oh, do we even return to the venue does the whole identity change so it's kind of looking at possibly of outdoor screenings and then that's what, how much summer is left so there's I think there's a lot of questions that without without even knowing how social distancing will be eased in the coming months it's really hard to plan any of that stuff from week week to week you could have a whole plan completely crumble if, if social distancing rules change in a completely different way.
2: Yeah I think I think we've all seen how quickly the government changed their mind on things and how quickly they announced things and you've just got to be sort of I don't know ready to open your factory the next day because they've said it so everybody go back to work. So it's, it's really, really hard to stay on top of things. But I think Jay's right that community cinemas are going to take their time. And I think, Sam, you're right that it will push people to be creative and look at different ways and different opportunities and then i guess it's up to us as cinema for all to make sure that we've prepared everybody for that so giving you the right advice giving you the right guidelines and just lobbied to partners funders government to make sure that community cinemas are thought about because i think people forget about volunteers a lot of the time and as i said at the start of this A lot of people don't know that community cinemas are even a thing. And the value in community cinemas, and what you offer to the film industry and what you offer to individual communities and audiences and just isolated people, it just can't be underestimated. So, I mean, that's our big job at the moment to make sure nobody forgets you and we get you... (laughs) The best deal we can possibly get you from from any kind of partner or anybody that you're dealing with.
1: It does seem like, so in terms of cinema at the moment, this is something I was curious to know from you guys. So apparently only drive-in cinemas are open at the moment. Do you guys know of a drive-in cinema? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, it's, it's a funny one, drive-in cinemas, because in certain parts of the country, they are more... Is it, uh, They started doing drive-in cinemas earlier. So in Northern Ireland, those restrictions were lifted earlier. So there was, I think, our friends at Film Hub Northern Ireland were inundated with calls of people that wanted to get going and have this as, a, as an alternative. But I think all of us... All of us were quite cautious because it's it's a, it's a hard job putting on a driving screen <laughs> in. It really is, and it's um, it's more expensive it's weather dependent even if you're in your car you don't want the windscreen wipers on the whole time you can't see anything um screen's got to be big enough you have to have a broadcast license there's a lot of factors to really make that a thoughtful sensible thing to do and so I think we know a lot of people that were interested in it but I think quite quickly realized that it perhaps wasn't the magic solution that it was going to be and i think what we've seen instead is a lot of companies pop up out of nowhere that are like Mm -hmm. the amazing moonlight drive-in cinema which i'm always a little bit cautious of because i i've seen those pop up on facebook over the years and obviously there's a lot of really reputable ones but i've seen scams before as well so it's something that I'm always a little bit wary of and and hope that when these new ones pop up that they're run by experienced people who know what they're doing because as you guys know it's hard and you need a lot of people to run a cinema screening whether it's inside or outside or in a car or whatever so I just really hope everybody's doing it safely and cautiously and just are aware that it's blooming expensive and really hard (laughs)
1: yeah because I guess like driving it definitely keeps the audience safe you still have to have volunteers working together and there's that whole question of keeping the volunteers safe not just the audience
2: absolutely yeah it's it's not that easy I mean running an event where you're you have to be two meters away from the people that you're working with you're collaborating with it's really really difficult and again it's expensive because you need to buy equipment to keep everybody safe. So yeah, we've we've been telling people if you if you want to do a drive-in screening, absolutely go for it. But these are some considerations, and and perhaps talk to some people that have done it before. We do have some groups in Northern Ireland in particular that have done it before and that are doing it. So Newcastle Community Cinema, who I mentioned before, and Dungannon Film Club, they're kind of well versed in drive-ins. But yeah. It's still, it's still a trick. Have you ever been to a drive-in, Sam?
1: No, that, that's why I ask. I, in my head, it's just a, a very American thing. I don't think I could even tell you where the nearest one is, like an actual built for purpose drive-in cinema.
3: I think, I think usually they, at least in the UK, you don't get so many that are built for purpose. Usually, they basically put up a big, typically inflatable screen that's sort of similar material to a bouncy castle or something, I guess, with a powerful projector, and they sort of transform a field or a common or something like that into a driving cinema for a weekend
1: yeah so they're more pop-up here than a permanent fixture that that's my understanding you just don't
2: have good enough weather for for anything outside really to be a permanent fixture because if you're doing anything outside it really does need to be dark and so you might have good weather in the summer but it's really light nights it doesn't get dark until quite late and yeah it rains all the time in summer here it's just june (laughs) And Sheffield is soaking today. It's absolutely soaking. And yeah, having your windscreen wipers all the time on, it, it's not it's not a pleasant experience. I'm not saying they're awful. I'm just saying that they are not the answer. Yeah. <laughs> you just need
1: to make sure that your programming is thematic to the rain. So, yeah. kind of like, <laughs> Jurassic Park would be good. It's raining all the way through that.
2: That would be good.
1: Yeah, Blade Runner or oh, something. Oh, that's great.
2: Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll allow them in those circumstances.
1: <laughs> but... I think
3: you raise a good point, Jack, that's something that a lot of people don't necessarily realise is that if you're doing any sort of outdoor screening, be it drive-in or just people sat in deck chairs or whatever, it needs to be dark if you want to actually see what's on the screen, because otherwise it just gets washed out by the sunlight. So people have these lovely ideas of doing um, family-friendly screenings of this film or that film in the middle of summer at 7pm not realizing that they're going to have to wait till 10 p.m. before they can start the film because otherwise no no one can see
2: anything. Mm.
1: Yeah, I mean that's something we're looking at. We realized that the venue no no time soon we could open the venue, so doing stuff outside potentially is is a way for us to actually be doing something and have some kind of income maybe that helps support the kind of uh, the overheads of keeping the venue there. The whole idea of light is something that is just completely, what what time do we start? Like you said, Jay, you can't really do family-friendly screening, so they have to be quite late at night. And there's all kinds of questions about the best way of doing it. And I think we're taking our time and trying to work it out. We're talking to the council, trying to do all that kind of stuff, in preparation of when we might be able to do it but there's so many potential pitfalls have you found as well as the drive-in thing that you've had a lot of community cinemas just more generally outside screenings been asking for advice
3: yeah I mean um, certainly it's something that we get quite a lot of queries about anyway to be honest definitely in the last few years I think outdoor screenings are becoming more popular and we will advise people on the best way to go about it but obviously sort of managing expectations, because as you're experiencing, there are so many more things that you need to consider. But it sounds like um, you're doing all the right things, you know, talking to your council, making sure that you're sort of open to to all the different things you need to consider and making sure that you're not sort of cutting any corners and I think that's that's how you go about putting on a successful outdoor event
1: yeah it seems to be what we're kind of finding just talking about it it seems to be less about the watching a film and more about a community event outside Mm -hmm. so it seems like the really successful outdoor screening so the the programming is probably a film that 99% of the audience have seen before maybe multiple times and really love so that the actual going to an outdoor screening to see a film that you haven't seen probably isn't why you're doing it it's more about the actual event itself
2: yeah I think that's a really good way of looking at it Sam because I think if it's something that people can let go of any kind of quality expectations.
0: <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> that, that will be re- any kind of food distractions to stop them being irritated about sound quality, that sort of thing. People, people will forgive things that they can't see very well, but sound quality is a harder thing for an audience to, to let go. Um, so yeah, that seems like a good way of approaching it.
1: So what you're saying is something that everyone's seen loads, but a silent film. <laughs> yeah. And, and <laughs> feed people. <laughs> Before we call it a day, I just wanted to ask what's the plans for the rest of the year looking like mm. and moving forwards.
2: Yeah, I mean we're trying to be quite flexible. We we've been really lucky that we've all all the teams been able to keep working during lockdown. So our funding's been sort of secured by the BFI and we've got some SB Fairbank funding and obviously our membership income is still coming in. So the only big disruption to us is that our booking scheme and equipment hire service has been disrupted. But everything else that we're doing has been carrying on. So we've been really focusing on the training that we've been given to uh, groups. So we run a lot of projects that focus on Online training sessions to help people with programming, marketing, equipment, how to set up projects, how to collaborate. So that's that's all still happening. And then later in the year, we are due to do much more of that, but more of it was aimed at setting up new groups. And I think we need to go away and have a think about whether that's the right thing to do to get lots of new groups setting up right now when it's a, it's a bit more of an uncertain landscape, or whether we should just do more of our... Uh, training that's aimed at groups that already exist really and really focusing on helping them through this and giving them all the advice and support that they need and then you mentioned the conference earlier which is um it's always in September so this is the community cinema conference where everybody comes together and learns what they can doing and sharing stories and then we also have the film society of the year awards which uh, Deptford are very well versed in big winners, <laughs> um, and that's that's been happening every year since 1969. So we're not going to not do it. We're going online. So we're getting okay, ready. Wow. Yeah, we're getting ready to launch that, and I'm actually super excited about it. I think that it's a real opportunity to get people coming along that don't normally get to come to Sheffield. So maybe they don't have time or maybe they can't afford or maybe just the weekends are really hard for them. And we're going to offer really low-cost tickets for the whole weekend. We're going to have sessions. We're going to have, hopefully... Film screenings in which we send everybody links and have watch parties, and we're gonna we're gonna do the awards. We're gonna do a pre-recorded award ceremony and send it out and have everybody watch it at the same time. Amazing. Yeah, we, it's gonna happen, and we we just can't <laughs> we just can't not celebrate. Community cinema is our favourite moment of the year because we get to celebrate the hard work that volunteers do, absolutely unsung heroes in the film exhibition world, and we get to celebrate how amazing you all are and what great work you've done and you have had a bloody hard time lately and you've done so much (laughs) you've kept audiences engaged reached out to vulnerable people I mean how could we not celebrate that so we're doing it
1: As long as you live stream the Cinema For All team really going for it on the dance floor, it wouldn't be a proper <laughs> conference if that wasn't there.
2: That is absolutely still going to happen. I'm, <laughs> I'm still going to send out playlists. We're still going to have a party. We're going to have a, a little Zoom disco in our bedrooms. Nice. So
1: <laughs> Cheers, guys. This has be really good.
2: Yeah, it's been really fun talking.
1: Yeah, thanks for inviting us on, Sam. Cool. Well, have a good one. I'll speak to you soon, I guess.
2: Take care, Sam. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the Deptford Cinema Podcast. For more information about our current online activities, please visit our website, www.deptfordcinema.org. Deptford Cinema. Deptford Cinema, the right place for film lovers.